Hey Tishi, it's Alicia in Boston, and on the Great Water Debate, I am definitely team pool too, and I so appreciated you talking about the beach the way that you did. I too really hate the beach for all the reasons you laid out, the schlepping, the sand, the jellyfish, the rocks. I know I personally really hate it when you go to the beach and there's just piles of seaweed everywhere, and it's slimy, and it's gross. Um... But living in New England, not liking the beach is basically seen as a personality defect and actually preferring a pool over the beach just makes you a snob. So especially growing up, I always found myself sort of apologizing for not liking the beach or just going along with it even when I really was not having a good time. And so it was just nice to hear you all talk about the beach in the way that I have always felt. So once again, you all made me feel like one of the gals and uh, not like a weirdo or at least not alone in my weirdness. So thank you. Happy swimming. Happy summer. case of the Mondays. Let us add some flair to it with our tales of the good, the bad, and the ugly bosses in our lives, past and present. Well, mostly past because we don't want to get fired. From Pay Me So I Can Afford to Fix This House Studios in Detroit, Michigan, it's Meredith the MVH Van Harn, and this show has everything. TPS reports, coming in on Saturdays, PC load letters, and so much more. This whole intro has just been foreshadowing for a future show, so stay tuned. And joining me today from Pay Her So She Can Afford All These Sticks of Butter Studios, it's Anne with a plan Lund Home. <laughs> Hi, Anne. Hi, Meredith. I guess I'm going to have to pick up some shifts at Flingers. <laughs> Was that it? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> and from Pay Her So She Can Afford All These Necco Wafers Studios, it's the nice lady, Christy Wise. Hello. Hi, Christy. I haven't found Necco Wafers in stores around here. That's a shame. I, I feel like people let you know when they see them. I know. They so need they to... must exist somewhere. So I, I, I shouldn't bring up the 21 and a half rolls that are currently in my closet? <gasps> well, unless you're going to bring them up to Seattle, then. <laughs> I don't Send know. them to her. We'll see what happens when I get done <laughs> roofing the gingerbread oh, houses right. with my Neko shingles. <laughs> <laughs> Works pretty good. It makes them um, heavy. Makes the roofs heavy, but I bet. they seem to it looks stand cute. up. So, and the colors are nice. I was proud of yeah. myself that I'd come up with something totally original, and then my sister-in-law sent me a video of Martha Stewart doing it in the '90s with wafers. Oh come Why on! Why did she have to salt your grind? I know. And Martha—it's just shared brain syndrome. It's okay. Martha made some offhand comment about how she had her assistant run out and pick her up some Necco wafers. And then she referenced using only the white ones. And I was like, oh, some poor assistant oh. had to go through a metric ton of ne Necco wafers and just pick out the white Sword ones. Out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That would be amazing because I don't like the white ones. <laughs> and we could be a perfect team. <laughs> I will eat all the rest. And you have the white ones. I bet you a million dollars that she would never eat a Necco wafer either. And, uh, Martha Stewart? Yeah. I think she would probably try one like all dainty and be like, Mm, mm, mm. So Interesting. Interesting. I admit, <laughs> I did try one. And I was like, oh, yeah, 
that's what those taste like. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> yeah, they kind of are toothpastey, I think, to me. That's kind of what they remind me of. Chalky toothpaste. Uh, anyway, uh, today on the show, we're going to bring you some small talk, including plenty of pastry news. We'll review your favorite bodies of water from last week's show on our Facebook page. Medium Talk is all about the people who sign our paychecks. I've got a she recommends for you, and we're going to let you know how you can get involved with the show. So, Anne, why don't you bring us into small talk and tell us what you're having for dessert this week? Oh, well, I made some zucchini bread. We were just we were mm. just talking mm. before we rolled on the show. Uh, Meredith, would you like to share your um, lesson about zucchini? If you're buying zucchini at the grocery store in the summer, you don't have any friends. <laughs> well, I bought the zucchini at the grocery store, so I guess that tells you what you need to know about me. But I had well, a- I'm your friend, so <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> but but you're not growing zucchini, so that's what true. good are you to me? That's a good really. Point. So I made some zucchini bread just mm. for the hell of it. But this small talk is incredibly dessert focused, and it's not because of me. Christy, I'm so proud of you. I made pies. Um, So I messaged you and I said, I can't find the magic, that's what I call it, magic pie crust recipe. I need it. So I found, (laughs) I thought we had a bunch of strawberries and also, you know, I always have the whipped cream. Um, So I uh, cut up the strawberries and then found a recipe for mini strawberry cream pies and the first thing said take your store-bought pie crust and do the things and I said oh Oh, no 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 no. that will never do (laughs) plus it's easier to make that pie crust than it is to get like dressed and go to the store so Mm -hmm. um good point I I made the pie crust and it does take both of them which I was kind of sad because I wanted to just like put cinnamon and sugar on on the second one but um so oh because it's a top and a bottom yeah, so you um, you take fresh strawberries and strawberry preserves, and then you do a sweetened cream cheese, like cream cheese with um, powdered sugar, and then mix those two, and then put them, plop them into the little pie doughs that you cut out with like a biscuit cutter. I didn't mm. have that, so I used a Starbucks mug. Um, <laughs> I don't do know it. If, it, if they're yeah. too big or too small. So you do that, put the filling, and then you push it, you know, push it down with the forks. And then when it's all done cooking, you submerge it into that like drizzly, um, like sugar, you know, where you powdered sugar and vanilla and milk. What would you call that frosting? Frosting. Royal icing. Yeah. So you like submerge it in that and then it's, it's supposed to be kind of like those hostess. Oh, sure. But it's way, oh. way, way, way better. Right. So they're like glazed kind of? Mm-hmm. Yeah, glazed. That's what it should be. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So they were delicious and I'll definitely be making those again. Mm. Good for you. Mm-hmm. I think maybe we had sort of a similar brainwave going on because I had a wild hair and I bought a whole bunch like a double clamshell of strawberries mm-hmm. and I was going to make a strawberry pie. I ended up making a strawberry chiffon pie. Mm. whoa that's fancy sounding it's really good you make you do the strawberries and you cook some of the strawberries down you you probably could have just used preserves but Mm -hmm. i did a strawberry puree and then you make a has cream and gelatin actually strawberry jello powder was in that too so Hmm. 
that was a little thing. And then there's whipped cream all over the top. It was good. I made it for the 4th of July and my mom had a piece and I had a piece. And then the next three days I had all the other pieces. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Do you have a picture of that pie? I don't think so. I don't think I bothered. It's so, so run of the mill for you. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, this isn't even worth picking up my phone to take a picture. (laughs) No, I just just made an old strawberry chiffon pie. Mm -hmm. It's nothing. You know, like you do. Mm. (laughs) Well, I'm very proud of you, Christy. That sounds delicious. It was very delicious. They didn't look pretty, so I didn't take any pictures, but they were very, very delicious. Mm. Can't eat it whole. I'm putting the recipe in our Slack channel, so if you want to make them. Was there an occasion for it or just because you wanted to? Extra strawberries. Oh, I love it. It's <laughs> a good problem to have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, maybe I was feeling stress. I, I have noticed that anytime I feel like stress or depressed lately, I'm like, I could bake something, <laughs> which I've never had before because I'm terrible <laughs> baking. <laughs> well, um, that's a good way to get better at it. Yeah. That's a really good, like constructive way to deal with it. So that's probably it. So good for you. Yeah. Thanks. Well, continuing on the dessert thread. Meredith, you've been experimenting as well. Oh my goodness, you guys. So we got invited to a dinner party. Excuse me, last a week. What now? I know. <laughs> I know. Um, so we started having these thing these get togethers a couple years ago at, that Gregory called tea parties. And they started out really as like middle of the day get togethers and he would make like cucumber sandwiches and stuff. <laughs> like they really were like tea parties and we made all sorts of different kinds of tea, but they usually kind of devolved into like open a bottle of wine and open a bottle of champagne and <laughs> turn into drinking parties. Um, so, but there's like a core group of us that, that would do that every couple of months. And um, we hosted the last one you know, the winter before the pandemic started. And then, so our friend Emily invited us over to her house, um, last week to, there were literally four of us there. It was two couples and we spent most of the time outside (laughs) because we're all still just like, I don't know (laughs) if this is a good idea, but, um, she has a new boyfriend. And so it was a delight to meet him. He was really cool. And she made dinner and I made a ricotta raspberry cake. Mm. And it was super good. I'd never made it before, so I did a test run the day before. Um, and it was a very simple recipe. I can put it in the show notes if anybody's interested. And then, so the recipe calls for frozen raspberries. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I can do that. That's easy because you don't have to worry about them going bad. And then I did that for the first one. For the second one, I included fresh blackberries. So I did fresh for the second run. Um, and the second one was better. And I made whipped cream to go with it and it was great it was very dense like it kind of has like a almost a pound cake kind of consistency but it was a big success and I had leftovers for days like I made Emily take a big chunk of it and then I took the rest home and had it for breakfast (laughs) the rest of the week oh my god it sounds perfect for breakfast yes so good I I feel like ricotta is having it today because I've seen so many different recipes popping up with ricotta it's great i love ricotta i always have it i think i think that's a good trend mm, i want the mascarpone trend oh to mm. come along with it that's yes. also good mm-hmm. that is something like i will get a little tub of that and put it on toast yep. and put like preserves yep. on top or curd oh that so sounds good. delicious i've never mm-hmm. even thought of doing that 
it's yeah it can go sweet or savory that's a nice thing Mm -hmm. about yep but it is more like of a sweet thing i think yeah it's like i always think of it as like cream cheese but without the tang Mm -hmm. so it's a little bit more versatile than a cream Mm. cheese would be yep so that was my that was my week Oh, I'm not even hungry, and this just sounds so good. <laughs> and I did take many, many pictures of these cakes and shared them with you guys because I was very proud of myself. It was beautiful, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it was it, it was just a lovely. It was you did it in a round pan, right? If I recall correctly, yep. mm-hmm. and just a, a lovely, simple, single pan, single layer. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't need to get any fancier than that. I have to remind myself of that, and it's just. Mm. Perfect. Yep. It was great. All right. I'll be over next week. (laughs) Christy, you bring the hand pies. I'll bring the zucchini bread. Meredith will bring the ricotta cake. Oh, my gosh. This sounds like a party. Yes. Yeah. Gregory can't come unless he's going to do a lot of exercise afterwards. That's right. (laughs) Someone bring the insulin. (laughs) That's the one bad thing about the times we've gotten together is that it's like we don't really have a place for everyone to bake all their Mm -hmm. stuff and bring streets but not not enough we need like (laughs) to do something at a commercial kitchen next time yes i love it we could do our own british bake-off yummy okay okay i wonder who would win no remember i don't win baking contests (laughs) it's the lot in my life oh yeah you're cursed i am i'm sure you could win this one (laughs) yeah i don't know about that uh let's move on to the mailbag uh we got a lot of mail this week you heard at the top of the show the lovely uh voice memo that we got from alicia um alicia you said that you were comforted to know that you weren't a weirdo, but I don't really think that you can take us as the case to prove it. I think she clarified, like, well, at least I'm not alone in my weirdo. Yeah. And so that, I that just, makes a lot of sense. I just don't want her to get her hopes up. <laughs> She's not a weirdo. <laughs> I'm sorry, Alicia, yeah. you are a weirdo. Yeah. Welcome to the club. That's just how it goes. And, and her uh, opinions about... Uh, pools versus beaches. I never thought about that. See, I, I know that the Northeast is a big, obviously there's a very large coast there. So there's a big <laughs> beach culture, I guess. But the water is so cold. I don't, yeah. like, I can't it is think cold. that there would be a ton of swimming there. I don't know. I mean, you still do it. Um, but also there are people who like to just go to the beach and sit there and then leave. Like they don't necessarily swim. But there's a perfectly good couch in my house. Right? I know. Hey, look, I'm not one of them. <laughs> like I could see going out and doing the fishing and all of that cool stuff. But I don't know. California, I can see. Florida, I can see. Texas, I can see. But Northeast, Maine. I've been swimming in Maine and it is, you're right, it's brutal. And it's terrifying. Um, the, the first time I was in the ocean in Maine, my, I was visiting my grandma who was very involved with Acadia National Park. And so we were there and the, the shoreline's beautiful, but it is so cold. But when you're a little kid, I don't know, you just sort of don't care. Or at least I didn't. And everyone else at the beach didn't seem to, cause there were tons of kids in the water, but like, it's shocking and you kind of have to get yourself used to it. And Lake Michigan can be like that. And Lake Superior can absolutely be like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very, very cold all year round, but it will eventually warm up. Um, 
in like July, August. But in Maine, yeah, it's it's shocking. And I the first time I went in, I was wearing goggles, and I made the mistake of looking down when I got mm-hmm. pretty far out. Uh-uh. And I was like, Wah, get me out of here. It's full of monsters. Like, there's coral and all, you know, seaweed and stuff. And it just looked like it, the, the, the floor was just covered in monsters. So I went back <laughs> to the shore. Well, and that's a good point, because we all saw Jaws. Yeah. Yep. It is literally filled there. with monsters. Yep. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, yeah. I just didn't want to see them. I can pretend they're not there if I don't see them with my eyes. <laughs> Jaws was a documentary, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Lightly fictionalized, perhaps? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Alicia, I think that you made the right choice by embracing the pool. You can come and hang out with us and oh, be yeah. weird anytime. Uh, this was really a red letter week because we got a second voice memo. From our pal, Ted, who had some really interesting observations about your um, creative grocery shopping substitutions, Meredith. Mm -hmm. So let's hear what Ted had to say on that. Good morning, ladies. It's Ted from Chicago. Um, Just listening to your new show this morning, as I always do Monday morning, and it was super interesting. I might have some well, um, some ideas about the little thing with the Whole Foods, with the personal shopper thing, sort of. So I've had some experience at a different uh, food chain. And the things they keep track of for the pickers are your percentage of out of stock and how many you pick per hour. And of course, the, the dreaded you're late with an order, which is not good. So anyways, this is a little crazy. Because, you know, an item is an item. So, you know, picking a watermelon and getting onto your cart and a can of six-ounce tomato sauce is counts as the same. You know, selecting and weighing a produce item is the same as just pulling a can off the shelf. So it's an imperfect system. And rational people recognize this. So the worst that happens if you have bad numbers is your management has to attend a punishment meeting, you know, where they yell at the managers. Fair enough. But when we look for what's the most evil way we can implement employee policies, we always look to Amazon. And I think that's the case is probably what's going on here, you know, which is why you have a picker desperately trying to not have an out-of-stock item, even though they're in entire produce section has been laid waste. And that's probably what happened here. I mean, if you had a rational store, you know, they would have said, sorry, you know, we're out of stock on this stuff. It happens. Sorry about that. We'll take care of you next time. You know, sorry about that. But this is Amazon, so that picker was probably, you know, going to get canned. I'm sure every, every Monday the HR department gets the list from the computer about who hasn't fulfilled their numeric goals And they're getting canned. So that's why you got such irrational behavior. So anyways, I don't know. That that's my guess of what's what's going on. But, you know, fuck Amazon is pretty much the rule to live by, I think. You know. So, anyways, um, I really enjoyed your old technology uh show. That was really awesome. Um my first program I I made was Area of a Triangle on 80-column cards that we would read in and send to the mainframe of the school district. So I'm old. 
And um, but I really enjoyed listening. My my wife had the original. Uh, she worked in ER, night shift. So when the when the original Motorola brick phones came out, we got her one. You know the big ass ones. So that was fun. I've really enjoyed your show. You guys are doing great. It's been funny and interesting, and I listen to you every Monday. And thanks again. We'll talk later. Well, I think Ted arrived at the correct conclusion, which was, fuck Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, yeah, I don't want, I certainly hope nobody got fired over that. I didn't, I didn't raise a stink, but it's not worth all that. Companies are the worst. Mm-hmm. That's all I have to yeah. say. So shoot them into space. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> did that to themselves. Oh, boy. We need Jeremy on to talk about this whole space oh, billionaire race. He hates billionaires and loves space, so he does have a lot of opinions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's put that on the um, possible future show okay. uh, subjects, because that would be really interesting to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you, Ted. And once again, fuck Amazon. Fuck you, Bezos. Yeah. I, I, okay, I was going to say I wish your spaceship breaks in space but i i don't there's like innocent people on there yeah right yeah that's the bad part i mean what's the isn't i think it's the bezos one have you seen a picture of those rockets Mm -mm. it looks so much like a penis i can't even (laughs) tell you (laughs) they're not even hiding it anymore no like you don't even have to go hmm, I wonder what he's compensating for because it's right there oh holy shit balls what the hell I told you <laughs> this can't be real <laughs> alright alright I gotta oh my up. gosh I mean <laughs> okay <laughs> That's aggressively. I mean, it's aerodynamic, but it, uh, it, okay. (laughs) That's absurd. Just needs balls. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Oh, dear. Uh, Okay. Well, I'm so glad we have a show picture already. (laughs) Yeah, we do. (laughs) Well, let's move on. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go with Bob's first because it's, uh, relates to, uh, not last week's show, but the week before he says, probably too late to get this in. Never too late, Bob. But here goes what I love about America. We may be the only country to have so many world's largest quote unquote roadside attractions, the largest cow in North Dakota, the largest chicken in Rhode Island, the largest Paul Bunyan, etc. They are all delightful in their cheesiness and often shabbiness. I have a friend who visits these things like one would collect stamps or watch birds. We joke that he is off to find the world's largest ball of twine. I'm not sure that doesn't actually exist. Stay cool and healthy. Hope you can all avoid heat (laughs) domes, hurricanes, the Delta variant, Republican state legislatures, shopping at Amazon, Twitter, the ghost of Trump, and overly verbose baby booners, your P1 (laughs) pub. Well, let me just put it out here. The world's largest ball of twine is in Darwin, Minnesota. I passed it this week, uh, probably within a couple of blocks as we went through 
Darwin, Minnesota, on our way to visit my cousin who lives out in Atwater. So yes, indeedy, Bob, the largest ball of twine does exist and it is within hours of me. Oh, yeah. But I am not like Bob's friend, so I don't care. Isn't there the biggest shoe there, too? I think in that Red might Wing, be in Red Wing. Minnesota? Yeah, that's yeah, in a different direction. But yeah, because yeah. that's where the Red Wing shoe company mm, is. Right. So, of course, they're going to have a very large, very large shoe there. Um, that was a great one, Bob. I didn't mm-hmm. even think of that, but that is a very wonderful American thing. <laughs> okay, let's go back to swimming with Justina. She says, my school district had a swimming requirement. There was a pool at the high school, and starting in about third grade, we'd get bussed over once a week for a few months a year to get lessons. This is how I learned to swim. I'm not a natural at things like swimming, biking, skiing, skating, so I need someone to explain how it's supposed to work so my head understood it. Then I could learn to do it. Yeah, I know, nerd. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Justina, you gave us your master's thesis title. We know you're a nerd. Uh, In high school, swimming was one of the units of PE, and I got pretty good. I'm not fast, not at all, but I can do all the strokes. And I also learned to snorkel and got really good at it. I did have to learn diving, but it's not for me. My inner ear and my sinuses both hate it. Oddly, I also had a swimming requirement in college. That's how I found out that not every school district requires swimming. These days, I don't seek out swimming too often in my daily routine, but I'm happy to partake in special circumstances while traveling and she included a couple of um pictures of pools that she's visited in places that i kind of want to like push her off the diving god i'm so jealous because they looked so nice yeah i don't know that i've ever known anyone before who's actually gone to tahiti i know it sounds like a fake trip it does (laughs) i'm pretty sure that this is all fake trips justina nobody goes to tahiti nope (laughs) That's cool. I should travel more someday. All right. Let's go to some Facebook answers. Question of the week responses. Uh, What was your favorite body of water? That's your ocean, pool, puddle, river. (laughs) (laughs) We got no puddle responses. I know. Spoiler alert. Gregory was listening in on the Jambo when Christy was posting the question. So he decided he'd get in there and be funny. And he said his favorite body of water is liquid. Yeah, he gleefully ran to his phone <laughs> as soon as Christy posted it and was like, ha, ha, ha. Christy, I, didn't I, I believe he did. Com- I think you issued him I, a warning. I, yeah. Well, I first hid his comment so no one could see it. And then I <laughs> unhid it and gave him a warning. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, <clears throat> if he's on thin ice, then there's probably water underneath there. That can be his body of water. That's true. I mean, in his defense, Christy said, what's the best type of water, right? Like, <laughs> I so, <did. laughs> I mean, Technically, that's an answer. All right. Well, let's go sure. to the people who answered the question in the spirit in which it was intended. Amanda says, wherever they're serving pina coladas and margaritas. Amanda's Heck not yeah. picky. John says, I'm a pool type all the way. Grew up swimming competitively, so there's that bias. And hearing stories of a piranha in a local lake. So that freaked out a six-year-old me a lot. Something inherently comforting about chlorine. Hell yes. Piranhas? Mm-hmm. Do you think a piranha could survive in a non-southern no, hemisphere I feel hemisphere like I've heard lake? that. 
I think I think I've heard that too. I think it's probably an urban legend. Probably not, but you know, just the thought of it is yeah. icky. Uh, oh, John continues. But lakes Michigan and Huron are close to my heart too, especially South Haven, which was close enough to get to the power plant for the water to be warmer. True. I don't know about <laughs> that, John. <laughs> it's a beautiful vista. You can see the power plant from the shore. The kind of power that the power plant is putting out that's making the water warm makes me nervous. But okay. Uh, Edward says natural salt, salt water, ocean bay, or inlet with low wave activity. Low wave being key. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Julie says ocean water with good snorkeling conditions. Do you guys, have you guys You're braver snorkeled? than me. Like... Hell no. Because the thing is, growing up, I always had glasses. Do you just put the mask on over the glasses? Can I can I wear contacts with the snorkel? Don't you have to let water into the snorkel to get it to pressurize yeah. right or whatever? You blow your no you blow air out of it. I don't know. Like I know that lots of people that have really bad eyesight get prescription um goggles. Right. That seems like a bridge too far if I'm just like trying it out for the first time. But my eyes are bad enough. I couldn't get like reader snorkel goggles. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, we were cycling a lot. I was considering getting prescription cycling glasses, Um, but we haven't gone this year, so I'm not going to do it. (laughs) Mm -mm. I just wonder how that works. If I can wear my contacts and I can still snorkel then that's fine i bet you can i've certainly worn my contacts swimming Mm -hmm. when i used to wear contacts and and when you're snorkeling you're not going deep right because you've got your little tube Mm. actually that's not true i have been snorkeling and it made me so anxious because i was always worried that the tube was going to go underwater Mm. yep it's well it's very anxious i had to do it in scuba class Mm -hmm. did not like questions remain to be answered about this yeah Mm mm-hmm uh, Daniel says, a pool with a deep end, six feet or more <laughs> since I'm 6'2", is fantastic, and one with not too many people. I like lake swimming as well, as long as the underwater inhabitants keep their distance, mm-hmm. so I can <laughs> pretend they aren't there. Yep. yep. <laughs> There's a common thread with all of this. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> the afternoon, I was floating peacefully on my back, and a dragonfly alit on my nose for a few minutes was the definition of contentment. Oceans are freaky and big and stink horribly. I'm right there with you. Yep. <laughs> uh, Laura has a list. One, saltwater pool. Two, chlorine pool. Three, calmish ocean inlet with good snorkeling. Four, lake with no muddy bottom. Yeah. I can't argue with any of that. Yeah. No. Uh, Anne says this, mine is Christy Nome. Uh, and she gave us a link. Uh, Let me go to that right now so I can refresh my memory. Evan's Plunge, Naturally Warm Mineral Springs. Who is Evan? I don't know, but this is Is it Evan's? As in Evan owns this? Evan's Evan's family? There's no apostrophe, so... Well, that doesn't mean anything in this. Well, can we go to this place? We don't even know where it is. About... Hours and contact. South Dakota. Hey, I can do that. <laughs> Let's see what they I think have. You'd have to be in South Dakota. They have a jet slide, a whale slide, whatever that is, kids frog slide, outdoor slide, two kids pools, two hot tubs, sauna, steam room, weight room, <laughs> weight room, whatever, uh. cardio room and spinning room, lap swimming, swim, swing rings. What's that? Uh, water basketball, water volleyball, and a gift shop. 
Ooh, looks like we can make quite the day of it at the Evans Plunge. Oh, I see the frog slide. That's freaky. Wow, 87 degrees. <laughs> Natural spring-fed waters maintain an average pool temperature of 87 degrees Fahrenheit. 5,000 gallons of water per minute flows into Evans Plunge from a thermal spring at the north end of the pool. <gasps> that sounds great. You know what's really dampening my enthusiasm is there's probably a lot of people at this. Yeah. 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 Well, there's not too many people in South Dakota. <laughs> That's true. But maybe, so maybe it's all relative. They're all at Evans. <laughs> They're all at Evans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then Anne comes back. New answer. She's discarded Evans' plunge. She says the public pool <laughs> in In the Heights. Yes, agree. <laughs> as long uh, as there's a synchronized swimming routine every day, at least. Probably. Are you going to participate in it? Oh, sure. Oh, all right. It looked fun. They just I mean, automatically know it, right? So yeah, absolutely. You probably just get it when you get there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah says indoor rooftop pool in Chicago winter. Mm, that sounds good. Ooh. Or ocean without riptides for me. Mm. Um, good luck with that. Yeah, <laughs> Tier. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume Meredith, you put this here. It says grats because yes. Tier and Stewart just got married. Yeah, last week. Congratulations. Yeah, and they had to postpone because of the pandemic, but they finally made it official. So, And still, she has time to answer this question. She says, backyard pool, no strangers, less intense chlorine, pretty backyard surroundings. Hell yeah. yeah. Yep. Agree on all those. Joseph said, I jumped in a river the week before last. Without the current, it would have been perfect. <laughs> well, <laughs> isn't that a That's lake? just a lake. <laughs> Uh, Linda says, growing up in Southern California, we'd take the bus to the beach, play in the water there all day, then come home and jump in our nice cold pool. <sighs> that sounds better than what happened when I was growing up, Is which we would go to Lake Michigan, go to the beach, get covered in sand because we were little kids and we would make sandcastles and stuff. And then we would get home and before we could go in the house, my mom would hose us off <laughs> with the freezing cold hose water. I think I recall like having to get in the shower or the bathtub to clean up. She didn't even want us tramping through the house because I'm yeah. sure it would. Well, I remember like being really, really little and my, my bathing suit, just the bottom being just oh, absolutely yeah. full you of sand. You just take it off yeah. and it's like a chunk just of like, Yeah. Like that can't be good for yeah. the parts. I remember there being like a healthy collection of sand at the bottom of the bathtub mm-hmm. when we were oh, yeah, yeah. done with that. Yeah. Which is another reason why bathing suits on girls shouldn't be tight on their vaginas. Because it's just a sand trap. (laughs) That is not the kind of sand trap that they have at golf courses. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Hopefully not. Saska says, glacial melt, fight me. I I don't think we need to fight about it. (laughs) There's no need for fisticuffs. Saska, you go ahead in the glacial melts and I will be over here. (laughs) <laughs> the warm water. I bet it's really like beautiful and pure, though. Mm-hmm. That'd be lovely. Kalina says, "I'm a sucker for the ocean, but swimming in it isn't really a thing in the Pacific Northwest." I would guess not. Not for me, at least. I hate cold swimming. The warm and buoyant salt water of Southern California has always been my favorite for swimming. Oh God, that sounds good. Elizabeth says, "I like lakes and the ocean, etc." But. 
My favorite swim memory is when I lived in Florida in a circle of apartment complexes and I worked nights. I would get back at 2 a.m., check and see if there was an, any action, and just go skinny dipping alone. And it was a light-up pool, Hillary. It was magical. <laughs> Sounds like She's Melrose daring. Place. I am not that brave, but good for you. Yeah. It does sound refreshing, though. I don't know. I'd be freaked out. I did it time. once at my dad's lake, and it's only because it was dark water and it was nighttime. <laughs> uh, Carolyn says, I live near an absolutely enormous municipal pool, and in the heat of the day, when it's full and noisy, it's terrible. However, the last three hours of the day, 4.30 to 7.30, are fantastic. Most of the families have gone home to eat, so it's all lap swimmers and other adults looking to cool down after work. There's just enough water noise to sound beachy, but it's not at all crowded. Nice. Yeah. And Lane just has to get in there at the end. She <laughs> says, the Caribbean is my favorite. <laughs> my two favorite swims of all time were in Cartagena, Colombia and Big Corn Island, Nicaragua. We you are it. way traveled than us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have an urge to ask her something about the Sandinistas, but I don't actually know anything about the Sandinistas. <laughs> that's sort of mean <laughs> to bring that up. I'm sure Nicaragua is wonderful. I'm sure it is. I have to agree about the Caribbean, though. We went on a honeymoon in this little island in the Caribbean Sea. And it was so warm, and the water is just clear. If You, you can see fish coming from a while mm. and then run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't See, like wavy or gross or yeah. I was looking at that area for honeymoon stuff, but mm-hmm. we, he hates the heat and um, I don't care one way or the other, so I think I don't know, maybe like Iceland or something. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, that would be good. Saskia can right? tell yeah. you where all the good glacial melt is. Mm-hmm. Please tell me. Although, yeah, Iceland has tons of um it's all geothermal. Mm-hmm. there isn't it so yeah there's a lot of hot springs from what i've seen so far yeah the it's not called the blue lagoon it's called the blue something which is really uh, famous i know what you mean i'm gonna kick myself when i finally mm. you know the blue something yeah the I thing in iceland that. that everybody there because i was looking at a hotel that um has private access to that thing from your room oh wow which sounds pretty great it is the blue lagoon oh okay good call Geothermal spa in Iceland. I was just thinking of the Brooke Shields movie. That Blue mm-hmm. Lagoon was n- not in Iceland. It's in Nordurslosavagur, Iceland. <laughs> I was looking at that like, I'm not going to try and say that. No. <laughs> My friend Jocelyn went there and brought me back some hand lotion from the gift shop. So I have Iceland lotion. I mean, from everything mm. that I've heard about it, it's justifiably a tourist attraction. Yeah, you know, not a it looks tourist amazing. trap. Yeah, it sure does. Super expensive, I know. Like everything's because mm-hmm. everything has to be imported, right? Yeah. So, yeah. But if you're, but it's cheap to get there, right? They have all these like specials. Yeah. Well, they did. Oh. I don't know if that's the case anymore. Oh. I, I'm I'm not going to travel anytime soon. Everything seems like a shit show still. Mm-hmm. So we're going to wait until maybe the fall or the winter. Yeah, it'll still be there. That's better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully. Yep. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for those responses. Very interesting. Giving me some ideas about my fantasy travel and uh, some new bodies of water to check out. Maybe our next picnic should be in Tahiti. Maybe. 
I don't see why it wouldn't be. You know, we yeah. really should have gone during the pandemic because ticket prices were much cheaper then. Yeah. And we might have gotten stuck and we'd be like, oh, mm-hmm. darn. No. I guess we just have to stay here. <laughs> we live in Tahiti now. <laughs> Work from home. <laughs> well, Christy, you had this great idea for Medium Talk this week. So why don't yeah. you take us into that? Okay. Um, I I think I started by saying if I had to pick the topic, it would be about how I hate everybody at work. <laughs> oh, that's true. I kind of put you on the spot. I was like, Christy, yeah. what should we talk about? And you're yeah. like, how I hate everything and everybody. That's a tough topic, though, because <laughs> they might listen. Yeah. So then I don't even know where bosses who who said that. And then um, Gregory chimed in and said, you should do the good, the bad, the ugly of bosses. Mm-hmm. And we thought that was great. And we just want to say the Ugly doesn't mean looks. It means that they are an ugly, terrible person deep down. Because you can be a terrible person and also be an okay boss. Yes. Very much so. I love the way that you phrased that. I was sort of thinking it more like not whether they were a good person or a bad person or an ugly person, but what kind of a boss were they for me? Yeah. Mm. Like it Mm -hmm. might even work for somebody else, but it's definitely not something that would be you know, conducive to my work life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although I, I'm guessing that we'll have some sort of pretty objectively bad boss stories in here. Oh, yeah. All right. So let's start. Should we go positive or negative first? End with the good. Okay, let's just go in the order. Okay. Um, The good. Let's start with Anne. Well, I'd like to give a little shout out to my current boss who's really pretty awesome right now and she is fighting for me to be able to work from home for yes five days a week instead of what's currently being offered so she has shown just a um tremendous care for me for my own like personal well-being and making the case that I should be able to do that so I want to definitely shout out Sarah for taking that on when she didn't have to and uh, talking to HR and talking to the director and doing research and really going to bat for me and I really appreciate that but I'm going to mostly talk about I boss who hired me to work at my store uh which if people don't know is a local gift store where i worked for close to two decades starting as a second job in grad school and then i worked as a full-time manager for them for a few years and then i worked again part-time after i started at the university and now i just go back for the christmas holidays on a limited basis to help them out but she was the person who Hired me when I came home from graduating college. It was the summer between graduation and starting grad school. And I knew that I needed to get some employment. And I wanted something I could work full time during the summer and maybe keep during the school year. And like, I didn't, I just went to the mall and walked around and I was like really shy and nervous And I went to the Barnes and Noble and they were like, okay, yeah, great. Like give us an application. And I felt really dejected and I just like walked the length and breadth of the mall and I was so discouraged and I thought I can't leave without 
applying anywhere and I walked past this little store and I saw this person in there and I thought, oh, she looks nice. I can I can go in and apply there. And I did. And she hired me. And she is somebody who works so much harder than she needs to and so much harder than anybody else. And a person who taught me not only how to work in retail in terms of like store management and displays and merchandise management, but also how to deal with people and how to deal with her boss and that it was okay to tell your boss to go jump off a cliff if he was being an <laughs> asshole and that you wouldn't get fired for it. Um, she's incredibly generous of spirit. Um, she, I think I, you know, started learning about baking for people from her because she actually I stole the name Stick of Butter from her because she said that if she ever wrote a cookbook it would be called the stick of butter cookbook and i just Aww. shamelessly took that for my studio so cute, name though that's great i like it and she's a not even in a, a like a job um context but as a person back god in the first couple of years i guess i i worked for her was when she met her husband and he was divorced and had three little boys all under 10 from his first marriage. Actually, the oldest of the boys wasn't even his. It was his stepson from his ex's previous relationship. And my boss, Polly, just went in there and took those boys to her breast and loved them. Actually, it reminds me of you, Christy, with Ellie and how you came into her life and fought for her and did all the good things for her when you could have said, eh, not my deal, not my responsibility. (laughs) But just sort of took the child to heart and wanted to make their lives better. And she's always been so upfront about telling me what a good person I am and what a great worker I am and how much she loves working with me. And we have worked together so long uh, that we understand each other's rhythms. I bet both of you will understand this from working in kitchens where you just get Mm -hmm. so used to the people around you that You all just sort of understand how to move around one another. You almost Mm -hmm. have to. Otherwise, it's really frustrating. Yeah. When you get with a new person, it's like you're you're running into them and you're getting in each other's ways. But there's just this sort of unspoken knowledge of the rhythms of how the two of you work together that we really achieved and have fun with. And she's got tons of personality. She's that person that you're always sad if she doesn't show up to the party. And you're like, where's Polly? Why Mm. isn't Polly here? And we spent a lot of, like, super busy Christmas times. I remember we had one Christmas where we had problems with the credit card processor. It was so fucking slow. And if you canceled it, it would double charge people. So you just had to sit there and for, like, 45 seconds while there's 15 people staring at you thinking why aren't they doing anything and we would just uh see who could sing the most obscure christmas carols for people (laughs) (laughs) she's actually she was a vocal performance major in college she's a singer too so we used to sing i want to go to your store (laughs) oh god yes It, it was fun we were good at getting people through there when the credit card processor was working correctly But um, we always had a really good time with our customers. And so that's one of the reasons, well, it's the only reason that I stayed there as long as I did, because I love her and she loves me. And when I told her I was 
going to quit. I gave her three months notice <laughs> and she <laughs> cried and I cried. <laughs> But we knew. I remember this. Yep. <laughs> we knew that it was time, and uh, I still go out to dinner with her. And every once in a while, she calls me, and I go in and help with inventory. And she's just a lovely, lovely person, and the best boss that I've ever had. So Aww. tribute to Polly Rohde. You took us into your store when we visited you, but she wasn't there, unfortunately. Did I? I don't yeah. even remember that. <laughs> um, we went. When it was in the Mall of America still. Oh, no, no, no. That wasn't my store. Are you sure? Positive. What store was it? I don't know. Just some other (laughs) shitty tourist (laughs) store. (laughs) It was never in the Mall of America? No. Oh. Interesting. Okay. Christy has to rewrite a small narrative in her head. (laughs) I know. (laughs) You just knew your way around that store so much. Oh, maybe you were saying, we have this and we have that. I like, think so. I think okay. so. Okay. <laughs> All right. Meredith, the good. So my favorite boss of my career, and I've been working since I was 14, um, is Dr. Schultz. And she was my supervisor at Henry Ford Hospital, my last job, Um She's a PhD biostatistician, and she started out, when, when I was there, she was just one of the PhDs. It's probably half masters, half PhDs there, and she was just one of the other PhDs. And eventually, she got promoted to management, and she became my boss. So, so we used to like sit and just have lunch and, and shoot the shit, and, and we're friendly. And then she became my boss, and we actually got a lot closer when she was my boss, because I, at that point, had been there for several, maybe like seven or eight years and she knew that she could depend on me and she knew that I knew what I was doing. And so she was able to count on me to orient new people and to kind of mentor new staff and, and things like that. Um, and eventually it got to where she was doing, I don't know how, I don't know how she does what she does. She not only is 100% funded on neurology work, which means that the, the Department of Neurology basically pays her salary, and it means they claim 100% of her time, but she also does all this management stuff. So oh. she's obviously working, mm-hmm. you know, 150% of her time. I was going to ask also, if she mm-hmm. still did statistics or oh, if yeah. she only did management. <laughs> no, 100% of her time is on neurology projects. Wow. She has two children, one of whom has Down syndrome and is... is um, developmentally disabled and will probably be in her home forever. Um, and then a, an, an older daughter who is more or less independent, but still is around to help with the younger daughter um, and manages this team of like 15 people. So she's incredible mind, first of all. Like she, I don't know how she does what she does. Like she must not sleep, but she has the kind of mind where it's just casually impressive. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like she will just say stuff and you're like, what? How? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, one dumb example is that she just remembers everybody's birthday and, and, and anniversaries and, and special event days. Like just everybody on our team, she knows their birthday. She knows their kid's birthday. She like asked me about my cats. Like no one cared. I know wow. nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Um, but she pretended like she did and it was really sweet. And she would remember like their their birthdays and stuff like you know, it's just, it's just kind of amazing the amount of stuff that she can fit into her brain. And, um, she's from, um, North Dakota originally, and she has that very severe North Dakota accent. Mm. (laughs) 
which is delightful. Um, but she's just a very impressive woman. She's very fair and um, a good, a great boss. You know, I could go to her. There were a couple of times where I went to her and like, this project is really giving me a hard time. Like that, those two guys, those two engineers that I think I've talked about before who Mm -hmm. were giving me such a hard time. I went into her office a couple weeks into that project and was like, Lonnie, they're making me feel so stupid. She's like, you're not stupid. They're assholes. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. We'll take care of it. Um, so she's, she's good at talking me off a ledge, but I also, I, I felt motivated to work hard under her. I wanted to make her life easier, which sounds so cheesy, but like, I feel like that's probably the best thing an employee can do when they feel loyal to their boss Mm -hmm. is to make their boss's life easier. Yeah. I feel the same way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It got, so she was, like I said, she was hundred percent funded on neurology and she could not keep that up. And so eventually she put me 40% on neurology to take some of the slack for her. And I was more than happy to do that. And I, also felt awful when I had to put my put my notice in mm-hmm. um, and actually don't tell my current employer but I am still employed by Henry Ford on a contract or a con- uh, contingent basis um, to help them out when they need it and to to f- you know finish up my old projects and I don't think that's technically allowed but nobody has said anything yet so I'm going to continue <laughs> to do it did you have to sign something that said you want to do that no oh no, well, then- there was a conflict of interest disclosure that I had to do for Henry Ford a couple mm-hmm. months back. And I was like, I was honest, you know, I was like, I'm full time at this other place, but there's not any overlap. Like, I really yeah. don't think it's a con- yeah. conflict of interest. Like, they do work on some of the same studies, but I don't. Um, and it wouldn't influence me one way or the other. So yeah. I don't think it's an issue. I, um, I but one yeah, time, I- <laughs> the previous director of my department knew that I had a second job and one time he was like so are there going to be any conflict of interest to that job and I'm like my retail job I don't think so unless you influence whoever's buying their decorative right. fountains I don't <laughs> be a problem yeah so I, I I I feel terrible for like le- I felt like I was leaving her in a lurch and you know that's not my problem that's her problem but I, I I feel for her and feel her pain <laughs> in in trying to manage all this work. Um, so she took on so much, and it was just so she was just such an impressive person. Um, so I I was really really in retrospect, I'm very grateful that I had her as a boss. Yeah, I I mean I understand exactly where you're coming from and sort of feeling guilty, like you as you said left her in the lurch. It's just mm-hmm. it's a weird line between. I don't know, being considerate and, you know, what am I trying to say? Because sometimes those lines between business and friendship get a little bit blurred Mm -hmm. in a way that's hard to decipher. You know, when I was managing at the store, I had an employee once who she's great, also friends. And but she said she had her husband's family was coming to town and they wanted to do something and they wanted her to call in sick just so that she could go and do stuff with them. And she was like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that to Anne because we didn't have double coverage. You worked mm. by yourself. So if she called it, it's not like Target where they're like, okay, well, we'll right. have 19 <laughs> cashiers on instead of 20 kind of thing. If, if she called in sick, then I would have had to stay and work a 12 hour shift probably. And their response was, um, it's not your problem. Ooh, that's your boss's problem. She's like, but that's kind of different. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. So that's sort of an example of when, like, it wouldn't be okay to just, I don't know, 
to to pull a young Hillary. <laughs> be like, I'm <laughs> so <disappear>. sick. <laughs> <laughs> I can't come in today. But you know, in terms of your career path, and as long as you're upfront and open about it, it's not you know you got to do what you got to do. And mm-hmm. as a boss, I never took it personally when anybody quit. It was very funny because every single person I ever had quit was always told me and they said, but it's not you. You're, you're, I'm not quitting because right. of you. I really like you. It's just that. And I was like, no, I understand. Lives change. Things are better. This isn't working for you. So I, you know, I'm sure she had that same attitude even. Yeah. And she, she did, you know, sad. when I told her, her first name's Lonnie, it's, it's also, I want to mention that her first name is Lonnie and everybody called her Lonnie, but when I referred to her, just, I'm just overly sensitive to the fact that um, she's a PhD and she deserves to be called doctor. So mm-hmm. I would always call her doctor when referring to her to somebody else. Um, but we were friends, so I called her Lonnie. Can you guys hear wonky croaking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> she's really excited about something. Yeah. Um, but uh, what was it? Oh, when I when I when I told her I was leaving, um, I explained my reasoning, which was more or less. So money was part of it for sure, and then also the fact that there was really no more um, upward mobility for me. There was nowhere else for me to go. I had been promoted as high as I was going to. I could stay there for the rest of my career and just bump along doing the same thing. But you know, I I I didn't really want to do that. I feel like there's another side of my profession to explore, and there's a lot that I could do and they were never going to have a master's person in a a leadership role Mm -hmm. they just don't do I don't know why but they don't and when I said that to her she was like you know what this this has been a pattern you know they've had several master's people leave after like 10-15 years for that exact reason she's like we need to come up with something to to get people like you to stay I totally understand why you don't so she was like she didn't take it personally she got why I wanted to to move on and that made me feel a lot less guilty about yeah. it. And it was very sweet of her. And I'm sure inside she was like, ah. <laughs> but she didn't express that to me. So I appreciate that. All right. Is it my turn? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. We've actually talked about this person already on the show, but uh, my best boss was Saska. Oh. And um, oh. she only got to be my official boss for about six months. And luckily, I didn't have to quit to her because she quit first, which is so <laughs> super sad. Saves <laughs> you some trouble. Yeah. And um, at my current job on our team, we would have this like a pretty big like ceremony that we would do um, when it was someone's last day and go out to lunch. And it was like this whole thing and then have a cry fest. And we didn't get to do it because we were in quarantine. And so just mm. was like on camera and so impersonal. But I did get to see her yesterday. So that was in person 3D because um, we had like a get a work get together. But we invited the people we like that still don't work there. Um, so her the best traits about her. So she wasn't my boss at first for the first four years that I worked there. And she just she was a product manager but she was just um thoughtful if if that made like some people treated me like because I was the executive assistant office manager and some people just treated me like oh you need to like go do this like you're the office bitch kind of thing mm-hmm. and she like was, I get to boss you around yeah exactly get me coffee. Like, yeah exactly no one there did the get me coffee but they'd be like 
what are we out of coffee and be whining and i'm like there's literally a coffee shop in this building you're fine <laughs> um so like <laughs> she just never treated me she always like treat tre- treated everyone as if they're on the same level which you know we're all humans and should be um and like uh, on executive assistance day she always made sure that she got me something or that um that my boss knew and reminded him (laughs) and like always did like a fun thing for my birthday. And then when we moved buildings, it became clear that my job, I was either going to have to take a drastic pay cut to stay in a similar position. And I didn't even want that position anymore anyways. And so she was like, well, I think that she's amazing and we need to move. I want her to be on my team. And so she like brought me onto the, the product team and that's how I'm a project manager today Aww. yeah um so I think that that's a one of the good things is like managers see potential in people and bring them on and then like take them under their wing and teach them everything and then kind of like push them out of the nest like okay now I want you to like right. go do this bigger better thing and you know be my peer or whatever and she it okay I had worked for men for 10 plus years it was like a breath of fresh air to work for a woman Mm -hmm. and they're just more empathetic. She had a kid. He's older. He's in college now. Um, but they're just more empathetic. They're more like, don't work past your eight hours a day. Like go home, enjoy it. Like the work life balance was amazing. I always kind of felt weird or guilty asking for time off. Like all my other bosses had this rule where I couldn't go on vacation unless they were on vacation or like certain days I wasn't allowed to be gone certain days. And she was just like, Oh, well fuck that. Like <laughs> you get to decide your time. <laughs> That's off. a terrible rule. I know. Like, and it's so your I was time. Like, I was always scared of that. Cause for 10 mm. years I had that right. Where I wasn't yeah. allowed to go on these certain times um, or be sick or whatever. And she was always like, no, you need self care. You can't burn out. Um, yeah. So I really liked that. And even yesterday I was like, so, um, hiring any project managers at your new place. <laughs> she just quit. She burned out and was like, I can't do this anymore. And she didn't even have anything lined up. And she just like took two Brave. or three months off. Yeah. Well, not in this market. Like she instantly got a job as soon as she decided yeah. to look. Um, so anyone who's burned out and needing a break, take it. But so she basically said, um, I won't, she didn't want to go back into the tech. She kind of wanted to work for like local politics or whatever. And she's like, I'm only going to do not go back unless I can get this job. And then it just like popped up and that that's like pretty amazing. And so she's like, you know, I do get to hire, (laughs) I get to hire someone that with your skill set in 2023. And I'm like, I will be, you know, polishing up my resume. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds awesome sort of thought to myself it's interesting when we all picked a good boss that we picked women mm-hmm. yeah I I'm trying to think I I think my my only male boss was my first job when I was was at the restaurant I think that's the only male boss I've ever had oh interesting yeah and I've mostly had well, me too I don't know maybe 50 50 but I I've only had one male boss that I would include on the good list, which a little bit like um, what you said, Christy, how Saska sort of said, I want her on my team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the previous boss that I had at the university. And, 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 you know, I've said before, my department is kind of weird. We're sort of split into two halves, depending on what the function is. And I am a kind of an oddball. I'm a little unicorn. 
hello, my little pointy rainbow unicorn <laughs> self out there is like, I don't really fit into either group. And so I bounced between the two of them, depending on, I don't know, weird stuff. But when he came, he actually asked to have me put on his team. And he told me that he thought I was very talented and that I was mm-hmm. being underutilized. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> somebody noticed yes. that I've been just whiling away, twiddling my thumbs over mm-hmm. here. So I, I sort of think that what we have in common with the examples that we brought up is bosses that look at us as people and cared about mm-hmm. our well-being. Yeah. And not just what can you do for me? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and that's a secondary feature, right? Like when they do that, then the employee wants to help. <laughs> right. You know, if you treat people with basic respect, then you're going to get a better product out of them. Yeah, I mean, after Saska left my job, my new manager is like, well, the stuff you're doing is way out of scope for what the usual project managers do. And I was like, okay, like <laughs> I don't, like I was doing product and project stuff. And because of that, I know our our product inside and out. And mm-hmm. that's not normal. Like, she's like, yeah, this isn't normal for a project manager to have this inside knowledge. I mean, it's good because now we don't have any product managers and our team is sinking. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, th- I just think that that's good. And that's also about seeing the potential, right? And mm-hmm. being able to, like, yeah. move you up. Like our success is their success. Exactly. Go figure. Exactly. But not everyone thinks that way. Um, The bad. All right, Anne, let's hear it. I'm a little nervous about this one because this person (laughs) still works at the university. (laughs) And is still a boss at the university. Don't tell him, okay, guys, if you figure out. I'm tagging him, but I won't tell him. Okay. (laughs) All right. Everybody listening, don't go snooping for this person. And And I... wondered about should I include this but you know what I'm not gonna say anything that's not true mm-hmm. and he's actually a really nice guy and so. he knows what he did I don't, I mean, there's a big difference between a good boss and a good person they, yes. they those are not the yeah. same thing right so uh as I said I kind of got bounced around from one side of the department from the other until they eventually just pulled me out uh of being in either side and so now I'm just sort of like there's the director there's the executive manager and there's me and then there's the two halves but back when I was uh put in one of our I don't know what call them divisions and um we had people leave and then we had people retire and so there was just sort of this changing of the guard with the bosses and this new boss came on and he was there in the first week and you know I met him and all of that and then the next week I went on vacation to like I think it was when I went to Switzerland so obviously it was kind of a big deal and I'd been saving up for it a while and I thought oh you know it's not a great look to go on vacation the second week that your new boss is here but you know, he's got other things to worry about. When you go into an institution like the university, it's so big and so complicated that for like the first couple of months, it's just a fire hose of information coming at you. And he's, you know, he's got a lot of stuff to deal with. So it'll be fine. So then I came back and, you know, we said hello in the mornings. And when we passed in the hall, but he didn't talk to me or engage with me or anything. And then like a month went by 
And like, I haven't even had a meeting with him about my job. And then six weeks went by and I thought, I wonder how long this could go on. Maybe I'll just uh, do a little experiment here. And then eight weeks went by and I thought, yeah, but sooner or later, he's going to have to do my performance review. And if we've never had a conversation about work, that's going to be weird. This is my career and my job. And maybe I need to take a little initiative on this instead of waiting for my boss to get around to it. So I sent him an email and I was like, hey, um, you know, I'd like to take an opportunity if you have some time just to sit down. I can sort of show you what I do and you can talk about what sort of expectations you have for my contribution to your team. And he's like, oh, great, let's set it up. And he put it on the calendar and I put together like a little slideshow of some of the things that I did. And we got into the room and sat down and he said, so what you got for me? And Hmm. I thought, oh, fuck. Hmm. He has no interest in me whatsoever and no ideas about how I could contribute to his team and nothing that he wants from me. (laughs) And so I went through my little thing and he was like, okay, great. (laughs) Okay. And that was how the next uh, couple of years went. Oh, years you had to be with this person? Jeez. Yep. Perfectly nice. Totally great. Just not interested in what a statistician and data analyst could do for his group. So it's weird that he, you were under him anyways, right? The, The person who preceded him was the person who specifically asked to have me on his team because he thought that I could do a lot, which I did. And all the work that I did was a continuation of what I developed with him. And the new boss was just sort of content to not ever ask me for anything. Oh, so weird. Um, he actually skipped my review one year. Mm. <laughs> I think so does that mean you don't get a raise? or what? No, How because, does... oh, Meredith used to talk about this when she worked at the hospital. It's like performance reviews have absolutely nothing to do with your raises or I mean Mm -hmm. at the university in fact they just said everybody's getting one and a half percent this year yep that's what they did yep at the hospital regardless of anything if we were blessed enough to get a rate most of the time that was like shh don't talk about it right (laughs) I it's I mean it's usually two percent so this is not great and you know we actually had to take a furlough last year so Mm -hmm. I mean our raises don't keep up with the cost of living you know public institution yay yeah so it doesn't really make any difference whether you get a performance review or not Mm -hmm. so one time he skipped it and one time it was just so boilerplate and he sent out an email to the entire group is like hey i did everybody's reviews if you want to talk about it let me know okay (laughs) all right and he's still there he's just doing the minimum he's just like Mm -hmm. barely well he was just you know it's an engineering group and it's um you know uh 20 engineers and ann Mm-hmm. And he was interested in the engineering component because he is an engineer and he just had no use for me. So, you know, as I said, great person, just not the right boss for me. He's probably a You're great right. boss for some of the other people in the group. But I, you know, it was interesting because our director one day said, hey, Anne, can you, do you want to come in my office for a minute? I need to talk to you. And I said, oh, do I like need my pencil and my calculator? Mm-hmm. And you always got to take your calculator in. And he goes, well, not unless you want to throw it at me. Oh, and I thought, oh, oh fuck. No. <laughs> and I went in and he told me that they had made this decision to take me out of that group and, you know, 
have me report to the administrative manager. And he was really afraid that I was going to see it as a demotion because I was taken out of a technical branch and put into an administrative role. Mm -hmm. That was how it was classified. And I was like, Oh, hell no. You mean I'm going to have a boss who's going to pay attention to me? This is great. Right. Like, I, let's get at it. When is this let's, effective? Yeah, let's go. Can we have it effective immediately? <laughs> I've never like, cared that, you know, I'm out of the technical group. And it didn't affect, like, you. there's not, like, some pay structure that says, oh, you can only get to this amount because you're under administrative? Um, I don't know that much. Let's say... Hypothetically, I got an email from HR saying that they had reexamined my um, job category and they were giving me a raise so that I would be at the bottom of the pay scale for the, mm. <laughs> my range. Um, I may not be getting compensated in the way I deserve, but money isn't everything. Yeah, no, but, but it's something. Something. It's, it's yeah. something. You know, that's one of the reasons that my current boss is great, too, is because she thought saw that and was like, well, this is bullshit. And so mm-hmm. that's on her agenda also to get that sorted out. But so I, you know, to your point, I may be getting penalized because I am out of the technical track. But on the other hand, there's nobody else who does what I do in all of FM, which is a thousand people, and probably mm-hmm. all of university services, which is much bigger than that. So it's a little hard to know. Well, the pay gap is at 82 cents right now. So I'm going to just go out on a limb and say we're all three of us underpaid. Oh, I think for that's sure. a safe bet. But so that was my bad boss for me, not a bad boss in general, just had no idea what to do with me and no interest in figuring it out. Well, I, so I've been blessed to not, all my bosses have been pretty good. And I, I haven't had that many jobs. I'm, I tend to stay at a job forever. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I wonder if that's our, our INTJ-ness coming to the fore. Probably. Yeah. Um, like my first boss, I, I think I've mentioned it before. His name was Kurt. He was at the restaurant. He was great. Um, and after that, so I worked at the restaurant for four years from 14 to 18. This was 1997 to 2001. Yeah. When I worked at the restaurant. And then after that, I kind of was like sick of working in a restaurant is so physical. It's Mm -hmm. so exhausting and it's, it can be really gross. Like you come home with like food all over your shoes and you know, you have to have hours quarantine your clothes and the Mm -hmm. hours suck. Mm -hmm. I was sick of having to wake up at six in the morning on weekends as a teenager, you know, Mm -hmm. just, there was a lot of stuff that wasn't great about it. So I was like, kind of like, I had been searching for something else that was a little bit more like office-y. I just, I really glorified office work at that point Mm -hmm. because I was so sick of being on my feet for eight and a half hours. So I was like, God, sitting at a desk sounds like heaven. So I found a job at an answering service and this, I don't even know if this is a thing anymore. So what we did is we sat at computers that were like the black screen with green text or maybe orange text. I don't remember. (laughs) Um, and this very basic, like terrible program where a f- we, we were wearing little headsets and when a call came in, it would show what company it was for. And it was usually like, so a lot of heating and cooling places, a lot of doctor's offices, things like that. So when people called after hours to be like, oh, my heater's broken, but the 
the company is closed for the day, right? So if it was an emergency, like their heater was out, we had uh, a a page would pop up with like the number to pay to to send somebody a pager message, <laughs> like page the person on call. So here's who's on call, and you would send them an alphanumeric page with the person's phone number, and they would call the person back. That's essentially what the job was. It was very very easy. And in between calls, I was in college, so in between calls, I could study. So it was actually a pretty good job. Um, and it was always uh, a lot of after hours stuff. So I could go to school during the day. So it was a fine job. It was pretty boring. And I was only there for a year. Um, and a lot of that was because of this boss that I had. And I don't even remember her name. But she was this chain smoking, uh, probably like 55 year old woman had a couple of kids and had that really gravelly smoker's voice that tells you she's probably been smoking since she was like 12. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And she was basically like, I don't know. She was fine. I guess I don't, I don't have any like sensational stories about anything crazy that she did. She just wasn't very, she just wasn't very understanding or she, she kind of, you felt like she was your enemy. (laughs) I think that's how most of us felt like, um, they would monitor our calls and we would get quality controlled on them. And then, so my only interactions with her were when she called me into her office to play a call back oh, for me to listen the worst, to. Right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, the, I don't like listening to my voice on tape. Ha ha ha. I'm on a podcast. Um, <laughs> that was my first exposure to like hating it. Um, and then it, because I was being critiqued, I was being basically like, you did a bad job here and here's, <laughs> here's what you did wrong. Um, and so it was basically like just negative associations with her. And then eventually what happened is she got, she was struck by Bell's palsy, which is something that can happen to anybody at any time, but is pretty common in smokers and half of her face went numb. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it sucks. And, and, and I have a lot of, uh, sympathy for people where that happens to, but I have a very clear picture in my mind of her being outside the building, smoking a cigarette out of her droopy lip yeah. and just like not being able to talk and let's still smoking. <laughs> it's like, maybe, maybe don't. Do that so much. <laughs> and I don't know, you know, she, she wasn't horrible, but she, she was just sort of a, a, I, I had a kind of a negative association with her and that's a, seriously, I don't have an ugly boss story. She's about the worst it gets. And, and she wasn't that bad. She was just kind of comical and, and unpleasant. Stinky. Yeah, very yeah. stinky. Yeah, you should never have to feel like your boss is your enemy. Yeah, I mean that is how it felt because, like, when you don't have positive interactions with your boss, when it's only be- you being critiqued, that's kind of what you're going to get, and that that's how that was. So I was only there for a year. After that, I, I um, started working as a medical transcriptionist at the psychiatric hospital where my mom was a nurse. So that was some good old nepotism at work. <laughs> And I did that for um, all of college and all of grad school. And I had pretty great bosses at those jobs. And then um, then was Henry Ford after school. So that's literally like my whole job history right there. Wow. You do say it jobs long. Yeah, I do. I don't like... I don't like to shake things up when there's no need to. Well, if you had good bosses, there's no reason, right? Yeah, for the most part, I did. And I think that for myself, I... Like, work is work. The idea of being fulfilled is great. 
but it seems like I always remember what your mom said, Meredith, if you like 10% of your job, you're doing pretty, pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, well, well, that's why they pay you money. You don't yeah. do it for fun. Right. Like it's, it's irrelevant whether you're having a good time or not. I want the security of having a paycheck. And I realized that, you know, that's a, a really restrictive view of that. And other people maybe have more of a care for their own well-being and mental health than I do. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think that getting f- like personal fulfillment from your job is a bad thing, but I also don't think it's strictly necessary. There are so many things that you can do outside of work. You can use your job as a way to fund those things, you know, mm-hmm. to fund your life and fund the things that do fulfill you. So as long as you have a job that isn't like abusing you and that it doesn't make you miserable, I think it's fine. Yeah. And where your body's not going to fall apart. Right. For <laughs> yeah. You're not, reason. I have spider veins from, from, from my time in that restaurant and I was oh. a teenager. Oh God. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that wasn't sustainable long-term. Yeah. So. I, I know one of the owners at the store, she's needed to get foot surgery for years because she spent so much time on her feet. And she's like, yep. I, I can't because I can't take any recovery time. Yeah, because at that store, I'm sure you were just on your feet the entire shift. All the time. All the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, and when we moved to our current location there, they were like, let's put in concrete floors. It's just no. going to be like really fun, something different, easy to take care of. And I was like, uh, what about our feet? And they said, oh, we're, yep. we're going to put one of those big rubber mats behind the cash register. Just yeah, to but take you're not behind the cash register. I know. I spend 95% of my time mm-hmm. walking around the sales floor. So, And true to my prediction, everybody who works there for any length of time has foot and knee problems. So, At the restaurant, they didn't even have mats. It was terracotta tile with Ooh, no rubber mats. No. Which I think is an OSHA violation. Yeah, because it's so slippery. It's so slippery you and it's really and bad water. for your knees. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It was, oh, I, f- I slipped and fell down the stairs more than once. Like there, it was a, it was a death trap. <laughs> yeah. In my Taco John's days after when I worked in the mornings during the summer and I would come into open and I would fry taco shells for the days then I would have to mop the floor afterwards mm-hmm. because otherwise you would skate around the kitchen yeah. yep mm-hmm. oh god those were the days hazard yeah. hazards <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. Um, I changed mine just now um, I actually had a boss like yours Anne but I can't really talk about it because it's at my current job <laughs> but maybe someday <laughs> I will whatever I did <laughs> yeah. I know but I kind of report under her so (laughs) I don't want it to get out but um she knows what she did um so I am going to talk about the boss that I had at Walgreens when I worked at the photo lab in college and it I should have known that this was a brand new store so um I was one of the first employees and we had to like part of the job was setting up the store like literally putting in the the aisles and and everything and like the pegs that go on there um and setting up the store for months but the interview he was like so why do you want this job and I said well there's not many well there's not many jobs in Bellingham I would like like some money please yeah exactly I'm paying for college and there's not many jobs he's like oh so what you're telling me is if I get fired I won't be able to get another job and I was like uh no um what (laughs) and that the whole thing was like that is he was very aggressive and and I was like okay well I guess I didn't get that job and then like I got called and he's like oh yeah we'd like you to start it was it was very weird 
But what he would do is if you hit 40 hours, you got medical insurance. And what he would do is keep all of the people under 40 hours. <laughs> 39 and a half hours. Mm-hmm. You yep. can't have you getting any <laughs> health insurance. Exactly. Um, so he just was like, everyone was terrified of him. Like he was just like, oh, and, and he'd sit in the back office all the time. And he had like a weird crush on my friend that worked there. And so he made her be the accountant and then just like be in the back with him all the time. It was really, really weird. A couple times he pooped his pants. So that was great. Um, And he would like take (laughs) magazines off the rack to go to the bathroom with him and then put them back. I mean, Um, the pants pooping doesn't seem job performance related. (laughs) No, that made it a little bit better because then we could all just talk about it for like the day. Did you see? Did you see what happened? Because. I think we had to wear khaki pants, so it was oh, very no. <laughs> we, a little, little brownout going on. You need to go home, yeah. Um, but the worst was I had, um, we were moving, like moving from one apartment to another, and I needed off one or two days, and um, he scheduled me anyways, and I was like, well, can I have the days off? And I already have it covered. I can have, you know, this woman will, will cover for me. Um, and he was trying to make excuses like, well, she doesn't know the photo lab and we specifically, and, and then I was like, oh, but I have, this person's going to work there. Like I had it all figured out. We had figured all of the, um, shifts out and everything. And he's like, no. And it was all because she would have gotten to 40 hours and she had like two little kids and her husband didn't work. Like it was It was really, really bad. And so I left a really mean note, compared him to Hitler, and walked off the job. (laughs) (laughs) On my break. And I never looked back. And um, the bad part is that the manager working that day, so this was the store manager, and this was like, they had multiple things, but he was like the general manager. And the store manager that was working that night, he was dick. He was such a dick. Like, I hated him so much, too. And he had lied and said he that he had taken the Kodak official training to um, to to be able to work the photo lab, but he hadn't. And so he didn't shut down the machine, which ruins the chemicals for days. And um, I just loved that that happened. (laughs) (laughs) And also I got in his head because he like would show he showed the note to my friend and was like do you really think that this is true and, I'm, <gasps> and that's um, she's hilarious like, she was like well <laughs> i mean she was pretty blunt with him like how um, do you answer that question like, yeah, like everyone is scared of you that's not yeah. great that's not a great yeah so that was my that was my bad um and do you have an ugly uh i have one and i have an honorable mention because <laughs> i said that when, in the t- context of good, bad, and ugly, it was as how they relate to being a boss for us. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, like 400 times in case I find out that my bad boss was just bad for me, yeah. not a bad <laughs> boss. Yes. And I, I do want to mention uh, in my Taco John's days, I had a boss who was great for me, but he did get fired for having sex with a 15-year-old in the upstairs oh. storage. Oh, yikes, 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 yikes. He was 30. He had a wife and two small children. (gasps) And that's just straight up ugly. Yeah, that's so I figured that was worth mentioning. But, you know, I got along great with him. 
you know, until he got fired from having sex with this troubled 15-year-old girl. But anyway, I did, when I was a teaching assistant at the University of Minnesota, when I was in grad school, I worked for this professor. Uh, I just looked it up. He is still a professor in the department, Tifung Jang, who... You're naming him. Hell yes. Well, this was 20-some years ago now, so what do I care? What is he going to do to me? (laughs) He was uh, the professor. I was assigned to be his TA for one of his sections. He taught two sections of, like, you know, Statistics 101 or whatever. And I was one of his TAs, and this guy, Andrew, was the other TA. And right from the beginning, we had this terrible time because he wouldn't tell us what the homework was was like we were supposed to grade the homework and he would tell us what he had assigned and we were supposed to help the students and answer questions I would have to go into my recitation section and ask the students what the assignment was so that I could help them you just reminded me of my ugly I I didn't think I had one but now I do okay (laughs) carry on and like it was to the point where Andrew actually went in and sat down with him and said, hey, we can't. I don't remember why I wasn't there, but he said, we're just having a really hard time doing this. We need better communication with you. Because, like, he would never answer emails from us or, or anything. Um, and he just, I I don't know. He's probably a young professor. And, and the the minds that make a great statistics professor perhaps are not the best at some other skill sets statisticians are weirdos <laughs> yes they it's okay are. <laughs> i have had a lot of math and statistics professors and very brilliant let me yes smart me people put it that way but perhaps lacking in some other areas so end of the semester came and went exams were over I was done. I left, didn't come back to campus for a couple of weeks. I was working at the store and putting in 40 hour plus work weeks for Christmas. Came back first day of the semester. I'm in the computer lab because this was still in the days of computer labs. And Tifung Jang comes in and comes up to me and starts reading me the riot act. Mm. And he said, how could you not show up to grade the final exams? And I was like, excuse me, what now? (laughs) And it turned out that on the last day of finals in the evening, he sent me and Andrew an email saying, meet tomorrow at 9 a.m. and we will all grade the final exams together. And it also turned out that the email servers were down in, for the department. And when I was there that day finishing up my final projects... I did not get the email. And because Andrew was a slacker and asked for an extension, he was still working on his projects when the servers were fixed. So he got the email and he showed up. So unfair. Yep. And I I was like, I'm I'm sorry, what? And I got this lecture that was so long and so mean about being responsible and not putting the work on other people And how if I expected to continue in this program, I needed to take my responsibilities seriously. And I was like, uh, 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 uh. And so rude. Has he met you? (laughs) What is wrong with him? And the real thing is the unfairness of it all. Like, Mm -hmm. yell at me if I screw up. But at least 
I don't know, listen to my side of the story and know that I, I didn't know. I didn't know. You know, I wasn't blowing him off. And it was a very unpleasant experience. And I never want to have another boss like that again. Ew. Wow. He sorry, can go deal with that. die. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, thank you for reminding me, Anne. You're so welcome. I blocked this out of my memory. Um, when I said that was my full job history, that was not entirely the full story. I worked at UT Southwestern for like three months when I first moved to Texas. So I was still at Henry Ford and um, I had set up a situation where I was going to work remotely. There were no remote employees at that point in my group um, and probably at most of the hospital. So it was kind of a unique situation and it caused a little bit of friction with the other people in my group. Um, So I felt like, okay, this is a temporary thing. This is a transition. I'm not going to be remote for very long. I'm going to have to find something else because they were like, there were a couple of people who were just openly jealous that I was working remotely and they had to come into the office, Uh, which is kind of funny looking at it now as everybody's been remote for a really long time now. But um, at that time, it was pretty unusual. So I was feeling like I needed to find something else. And UT Southwestern was another research hospital, another teaching hospital, very familiar to me. I knew kind of how that worked. And so I applied and I interviewed and I got the job. And they, one of the first things they asked me was, what kind of computer do you want? And I was like, what? What do you mean? And they were like, do you want a Mac or a PC? And I was like, uh what? Okay, I guess a Mac. That's interesting. Um, And so they ordered a new computer for me, which I was so not used to because Henry Ford's just like, here's the old garbage we (laughs) found in the back room. Enjoy. We rooted around (laughs) under a a pile of oil cloth and some paint cans. Yep. Yep. Uh, So that was a little bit like, huh, interesting. Um, It didn't work from like day one. Um, So my computer was in the shop. Part of what needs to be understood about the situation is I was kind of half hired under the cancer research and half hired under biostatistics. So I wasn't fully anybody's responsibility. And whoever uh, was your main employer or your main department was where IT had to charge to their work or whatever. I don't know how, how it works, but it was a huge issue because Every time I would call IT to see what was going on with my computer, they're like, well, is this under cancer or is this under biostats? And I'm like, I don't know. Both? Can't, yeah, can't they the split other, it? I don't know the answer to that. And here's my boss's name. And they're like, well, that doesn't help. And my boss was was a, a, a PhD statistician, um, and kind of an older guy, very like brisk and kind of dismissive in a lot of ways. And I, I just sort of set that aside because statisticians are weird and and I'm used to that. And I'm used to like dealing with people's quirks and I don't take it personally. So I didn't think much about him being kind of impersonal and, 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 and brisk. Um, so, but I should have, uh, because turns out this dude hated women. No, And he would not help get my computer fixed. And I did literally, I'm not kidding. I didn't have a computer for three months. The whole three months I worked there, I didn't have a computer. And so I would go into the office and just be like, 
well, I, uh, I guess I'll just sit here. Like literally did nothing. It was so painful. And when I went to my boss to explain, first of all, he, you know, kind of would blow me off. And then eventually I was like, look, I can't do anything. And he, so we work in this coding language. It's called SAS. It's a very specific language. You can't really duplicate it anywhere else. And when you're coding, you need to be able to like submit and test your code, right? He told me to go downstairs to the computer lab and code in Microsoft Word. (laughs) (laughs) And so I picked up my bag and I pretended to go downstairs and I left. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I love it. Because what the hell? (laughs) I wonder how long it took them to notice that you were gone. Well, so this was... It was right before Thanksgiving. And so over Thanksgiving break, I went back home to Michigan and I emailed in my two week notice from Michigan. And I was like, I'm not coming back. This is ridiculous. I actually did have a meeting with like the director of the department right before I left to explain the situation. And he was Mm -hmm. like, that's really weird. And then I got a call from um, the person who was in charge of actual biostatistics and she called me down to her office and I had a little meeting with her and she's like I'm sorry he hates women you can come work for me and I was like nah I'm good I'm gonna go back to Henry Ford bye and I did (laughs) that's awful yeah I I'm still flabbergasted by go code in Microsoft Word (laughs) that just still blows my mind it's so impossible (laughs) I mean number one if he hates women he needs to be fired um, but number two, if he hates women, why did they hire a woman to work I for him? I don't know. He hired me. Oh. Well, also, it seems like it was a common knowledge that he hated women. Like, yeah. he needs to go. Yep. Wow. Do, I wonder if he still works there. You should look it up. Uh, yeah. I'm, I don't remember what his name is, but I bet I could find it. Ugh. Horrible. These are the only, this is the only kind of things that LinkedIn is good for. Yep. <laughs> that asshole still work there (laughs) (laughs) um my last or my ugly is the person I worked for that he was the CFO of the company right before I moved to my current job at cozy he seemed great at first he was like yeah I'm fun I'm young but I mean he wasn't even that young I'm like but then just like I started to see the cracks in that he was an awful person, um, like he had a um, fake baby car seat in his car so oh, that he no. could cheat in the carpool. Yeah. And so then I kn- we kind of drove the same way. Like he lived nearest to me, like in the rich people part. And so we kind of we like basically took he would come on an exit before mine. And so what I would do is get in there before him and do ways and report police the whole way because then he wouldn't go he wouldn't cheat <laughs> um so there was that um there was the time oh he would yell like if i went to the bathroom he would just scream where where the hell is she and then like Whoa. the other the other eas would be like um she went to the bathroom and he's like Ugh, and he'd slam his door was and then amazon like, or something it wasn't allowed to pee (laughs) yeah and um he oh we would get the executive like the job of the executive assistants were to get all of these 
people their lunch. And so it was someone's turn every week and they had these same places like, so Monday or we changed it to be every Monday you had to get teriyaki. Like, but before it would be like, okay, this person wants a sub and this person wants this and this person wants that. And you'd have to drive around. And it was like almost two hours. And it was, we had this little like wallet that had like different things and people always like didn't have enough money in their wallet. And he liked to get Jimmy John's. So when we would get Jimmy John's, he was too cheap to pay for the pickles. So he brought in a jar of pickles and I had to like what pull it out for him. That's not even the bad one. The bad one was when we would get um, pho. He would get the thing that's like the noodles. It's not it's not actually soup, but it's like noodles and vegetables and meat. Um, and he required it to be out of the package, like the styrofoam. And I'd have to put it into a metal bowl that he brought from home and use a metal fork that he also brought from home. And then he would eat it. And then he'd put the bowl on my desk to clean it. No. And if I and if I wasn't there, like he would just hand it to me. And if I wasn't there, he'd put it on my chair or he'd put it in the sink with like and and he wouldn't clean it out. Like he wouldn't even like tap. There's a garbage right there. He wouldn't even like tap out the food. He'd put it in the sink with all of it. I mean, everyone knew who it was that was doing it. He's the only one that required the silver bowl. So there was that. And then um, towards the end of my time there, he started telling me that I needed to follow him around. I needed to be at my desk at all times. If he's at in his office, I needed to be where he could see me at all times. And I was like, okay. okay. Um, but also, that's the thing is, I wasn't just his EA. I also had another person. And he would get so mad and jealous when I was helping that other person. And he'd be like... That's not important. Make him do it himself. And I'm like, but he's also my boss. Like, I, it was so it was so terrible. But one time I was asking HR a question, and they were there's a set of cubicles. His office on the right side, set of cubicles where all the EA set, and then the HR office on the left side. And I went over to ask the um, the director of of hr a question and he starts screaming where the fuck is she where is she where are you i'm gonna and then he's and i was like i'm right here like i just poked around i'm like what i'm talking to her and then he was like you need to be in your i'm gonna get some rope and tie you down (gasps) (laughs) and i was like jesus christ christy he was like pretty and i said pretty sure hr would have an issue with that (laughs) and then um the last thing about him being a terrible person. So he, I mean, all of those things were terrible, but um, they had this really weird policy, travel policy, where if you had to travel and they did a lot because part of it is sales. Um, if you had to travel, you had to share a, a room oh, with someone. Oh, no. It's so weird, right? Not even you, Henry Ford made us do that. A it's nonprofit. So strange. was like, yeah. that's inappropriate. It's so <laughs> inappropriate. And, um, so he had to go somewhere and he was like, the C- CFO should not have to not have to share a room. And he was like going off and he goes, all right, that's it. I- I'll share a room, but I get to pick and someone needs to tell my wife why I'm 
take why I'm going with the 20 year old with big tits. <gasps> why I'm why I'm rooming with her. And I was like, Whoa. what the fuck is even happening? And then I had already like kind of been slowly looking. And then I quit probably a couple weeks after that. But he was like, all I'm packing is a box of condoms and someone needs to tell Ew. my wife. Yeah. Yeah, so he was Gross. a terrible person. Because it's your fault. It's the policy that you yep. wrote, and so exactly. he's really sticking it to you. Yep. Yeah. And h- how did he get to be in management? Yeah. He was real good at his job, or just white male mediocrity white male. getting white mailing upward yes. promoted? He, yeah. It was yeah. the first time he was a CFO. It was the first time he ever had an assistant. And so he... And there's people... There's two types of people who've never had assistants. There's people that treat them like that like just complete Mm. shit and then there's one I had one um where he just didn't give me anything to do because he was like I just do myself like um I mean it's not as bad and that's nice to like have less work or whatever but um he he just was awful and he chased away a lot of people and after I left he went through four EAs when I stopped counting like I don't really talk to the people there anymore but um yeah, he was an awful, awful. I mean, person. not having anything to do can be just as painful as being overly busy. Yeah, as somebody who sat there at UT for three <laughs> yeah, months doing yeah. literally nothing, totally. it sucks. <laughs> I mean, at that that one job um, where I where he wouldn't give me anything, I had other duties to do, and I could just listen to podcasts and like mm. do little like you know office management, piddle, puddling, piddling. What do you call it? Puttering. Puttering. Yeah. <laughs> Pittering, that's not the same. <laughs> Puttering the is office. something else. Yeah, yeah. very cleaning, you know, filling M&Ms yeah. and talking to people. So, And boy, oh boy, were the, was the supply cupboard well stocked. Mm-hmm. Very. Yes. <laughs> and there was lots of good restaurants around that. So I'd go for coffee and I'd go for lunch and <laughs> go for a little walk. So, yeah, it was nice. Wow. Yeah. So that was the good and the bad and the ugly of our bosses. So our question of the week is... What do you think is the best quality to have as a boss? There's a lot of possible answers to I know. that one. Yes. Yes. But and I'm do we interested. want one word answers? I think we no. can have a little explanation. <laughs> they always we, break the rules anyways. So Yeah, you guys don't listen, but we what we're trying to avoid is having like three paragraph long stories about bosses yep. because we can't read those we can't read like forty of those on the show. Right. Next week. So try to keep it concise. Qualities that you admire in a boss. Go. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Tishi recommends. So I've got one. This is a show that's been around for quite a while. I think it started in 2008. It's called Total Wipeout. And maybe I'm the last to know about this, but we've been watching it lately. And it is, it's the kind of show that you can two screen it, but it's so fucking funny it's like when you're in a bad mood this is the kind of because you just laugh until your stomach hurts so what it is it's if you haven't heard it it's a british game show uh the one that we're watching anyway i think it's on hulu um and it aired on the bbc and it's they go to argentina they're in buenos aires and they have this like ridiculous obstacle course and they have these people from great britain (laughs) so like all these like pasty pale white people (laughs) And also, I thought it was like in 2000 because they all have like your 2000 eyebrows and <laughs> but it's 2008, 2009. Um, 
And uh, so they do these ridiculous, it's kind of like double dare physical challenge kind of stuff. Oh, fun. And they have to go through these obstacle courses. And that doesn't sound all that intriguing, but the way these people fail in these spectacular ways. And it's so funny. And the way that it's edited, they will like, when people fall, they will show it over and over and over in slow motion, like with sound effects and stuff. And it just cracks me up. So if if I'm in a bad mood or if I'm stressed out, this is a really, really great thing to watch. This is not something that we watch right before bed because we will just like laugh too hard and then be too keyed up to go to sleep. So this is definitely like a daytime show. And I, there are tons of seasons of this. So the BBC one, I think, has five, but there's an American version. A bunch of different countries have done their own version of Wipeout. So I'm really looking... We've only watched the first season, so I'm very much looking forward to watching the rest. So full recommend. It's great, uh, cheesy, light uh, TV that will cheer you up. Watching people get hurt on dumb <laughs> obstacle courses. <laughs> I, love it. I know of great. it, but I've never, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I don't know the British version, but I think I've seen glimpses of the American version where they have little punchy things coming out of the oh, wall. Oh, yeah, the punching wall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Do they jump on a big ball? Yes. They jump in the water. So there are four big red balls and nobody can figure them out. <laughs> and it's so funny to watch people like take a running leap and then just fall right into the water. <laughs> or they'll bounce off one and onto the other and then fall in the water. But there's some really spectacular failures. All I know on is that, that show. I'm too old to have my back bend that way and not be injured. Oh, yeah. It, I For sit sure. there and I'm just like, this is such a liability these people's spines are going to be in such rough shape. And we decided, like, I am full of aches and pains, like, way beyond my years. I'm, like, 85 years old. And so we were kind of thinking, is this like this, you know, in cartoons, like, you hit your head once and then you're in pain and you hit or you lose your memory or whatever. You hit it the second time and then you're fine. <laughs> so the theory is if I went on this show and I, like, broke my spine on those big red balls then i would be like pain free oh let's try <laughs> so maybe it. i need to do it like you know what have i got to lose it's i mean that's more sound than like essential oils i'm back in physical therapy so at this point like th- yeah this is my third time in physical therapy in the last two years so maybe i Uh-oh. should try the obstacle course <laughs> maybe run it past the physical therapist and see what yeah. they think she's not gonna like it mm. but mm. i will <laughs> i'll report back yeah <laughs> Um, mine is a Facebook and I just noticed, uh, Meredith, you actually follow it. It's oh, a Facebook page and a, tw- and a Twitter, I think, and a, um, Instagram called man who has it all. And it's a, um, parody of things that are said to women in like self-help ways or like, but switched. And so everything is about men everything it, is gender swapped yes like like can men have it all yes and then like i just recently bought the book because i was like oh my god this is my favorite thing so i bought the book and it's called from frazzled to Fa- fabulous how to juggle a successful successful career fatherhood me time and looking good and it's a man in a business suit vacuuming <laughs> <laughs> and then like this is one that i thought that the lady scientists would like um it says men in science in science you can do it don't let grand allocating processes publishing routines hiring procedures hostile law labs or regular harassment put you off (laughs) yep the the comments are so good oh yeah and it's everybody who follows 
like yeah. fully pl- plays along with the ruse and they're yes. like you know if they really wanted to be taken seriously in the workforce they wouldn't have had kids they, ha- right. they obviously need to stay home and take <laughs> care of those babies and I'm looking at one right now that the post is don't assume that an economist is a woman men can be economists too <laughs> says irrational male economist Mark <laughs> age 52 with a chip on his shoulder <laughs> Or like, what should we call male doctors? I mean, or so you know, stuff like that. Um, it, it's just all the things that you hear about women. But yes, the people in the comments are what made me like yep. keep going. And I think it was, you know, how Facebook works. Like someone puts a comment, and then it, you get served that. And I think that's what happened. Is one of my friends that's following it, and then I fought, and I was like, what the fuck is this? And I was so <laughs> mad at first. I'm like, are you kidding me? And then I'm like. Oh, this is super funny. And then, yeah, the comments that go on and on make it worth it. So everyone should follow those things. If There's you one already. that's a screenshot of a, a search bar and it just says, are men funny? <laughs> uh, I would say no. Yeah. Eh, nah. <laughs> I would say not as funny as they think they are. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> then the, the comments are okay so here's one comment on that post not as funny as regular comedians obviously but some of them are a little witty they are most useful when an ensemble cast needs to fill a husband slash boyfriend position for a sketch and sometimes they're nice to look at <laughs> we need so, to wrap this up because they're gonna kill me if i don't feed them dinner soon okay okay yeah i mean wonky is getting militaristic i know yep. back there like whining <laughs> all right well with that being said, get involved with the show at thisshowhaseverything.com or send us your comments at throwyourphone.com. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Happy to have them. Uh, you can visit our Facebook group. We will post the question of the week there so that you could... Wonky, be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> so done. <laughs> you can answer it. The show Twitter is at Tishi Show, or you can send us an email at Tishi at 10710.com. Please feel free to send us that voice memo like Alicia, like Ted. Those are so great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not just Hillary who loves the voice memos. I think we, we all do. really mm-hmm. enjoy getting those from you guys. We love to hear your voices. And of course, fax Bobby your butt or anything else you like to fax him at 617. <laughs> Three five four, eight five one three. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. And that was absolutely just the tip of the iceberg <laughs> about bosses. <laughs> And I stumble to the kitchen Pour myself a cup of ambition And yawn and stretch and try to come to life Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping Out on the street the traffic starts jumping With folks like me on the job from nine to five Working nine to five
dream just to watch him shatter You're just a step on the boss man's ladder But you got dreams he'll never take away On the same boat with a lot of your friends Waiting for the day your ship will come in And the tide's gonna turn and it's all gonna roll your way Working nine to five 